Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Baseball Dads Podcast. So it's a treat for me today, selfishly. Um, we have one of the guys I really look up to in, in the game as somebody that um, I think is just a really great thinker. And his name is Mike Reinold. And Mike is, I'll, I'll let him give his full, full bio because it's pretty impressive, but Mike's one of the guys that um, when I introduce people to Mike and I make email and so like that, I, I always say he's, like, smarter than us. You know, he's the guy that just kind of has a level of knowledge that um, I don't – you can't get in books and you can't get in school. You have to get it through a combination of all those things and the in-the-trenches experience that you'll hear he has. But most importantly for me is, Mike, in the, in the, the, the health field, and in the physical therapy field, and sometimes those worlds can become very complicated for baseball people. And the words and the and the uh, um, the, the teaching and the instruction can be very complicated and very hard to understand. The thing that Mike does the best is he just makes things very practical. And I think that's because he's had so much experience uh, in the medical in the medical world and in the on the field in the trenches baseball world so he's one of the guys that i really look to for information he's just a, a brilliant man so I'm, thr- I'm thrilled to have you on mike welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for being here yeah thanks paul geez that was a uh that was a great uh that was a great intro i might have to uh record that and send that to my mother you got it that was a that was a uh that, that was a uh um a solid intro but uh yeah thanks so much i mean I'm, I've, I've been a big fan of your 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 work as well and you know, obviously I, I love everything you've done in the past and more importantly kind of this mission that you're on now to you know to really help the youth and the parents and 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 really just re- get the right info out there because you know the internet is just filled with information right now and it's hard to detect what's good what's bad what's in the middle um so you know we definitely need resources like yourself you know helping to spread the word of of good information that's that's actually going to help people i i think that's the important thing awesome Th- thank you for that but let, let's give everybody uh You've got a, a pretty impressive resume. Um, give us one minute background uh, of, of your whole world up until this point. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I mean, I'm a physical therapist and uh, strength coach and athletic trainer and, and uh, you know, just kind of a performance enhancement specialist. And for me, I've always loved baseball. I've always been into baseball just personally as a passion. So, you know, I always I kind of sought baseball out in, in my past. So when I was in school, and instead of buying my textbooks on neurology and pediatrics and stuff like that, I actually bought baseball textbooks and kind of studied that instead. So don't tell my professors, but uh, <laughs> I've kind of always been on that trend. But um, that led me down to kind of, you know, the, the, the best in the business in my mind. I worked out in Birmingham, Alabama at the American Sports Medicine Institute with uh, Dr. James Andrews. 
um, and a bunch of other great people down there. Uh, so I worked down there for, in fact, almost a decade I was down there doing, you know, research with them and uh, just working with thousands of, of injured baseball players. Uh, but I was fortunate enough from there to uh, to get to go back home and, and I had an opportunity to work with the Boston Red Sox. So uh, over the time, I became the head athletic trainer of the Red Sox and um, got to work with, with thousands or hundreds or whatever of, of healthy baseball players. So now I've got this, you know, really unique perspective of what an injured player and a healthy player looks like, and it's, it's, you know, it's taught me so much. I've learned so much from the players themselves that I think just, you know, that as the resource, you know, the actual, the actual, you know, quantity of people is, to me, has given me the most information over the years. That's awesome. So we're going to talk about what's going on in today's game versus, you know, kind of you're at one end of the spectrum of working with higher level athletes, professionals, and, and probably everything in between. And then we'll talk about what you know from that and how we can apply it to today's uh, youth player and, and, and developing player. But I got to ask this. You grew up a Red Sox fan <laughs> and all the misery that goes with that. And then you, you know, I love the picture you posted a while back with you in the World Series trophy. Just give us a minute of it. Like, yeah, what was <laughs> Well, I, I, I've, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty surreal, right? So you, you know, you, obviously, for for me, the Red Sox is it's quite a quite a, a passionate thing for anybody, and in, in probably New England is to be a Red Sox fan. So, um, you know, I just I got super lucky. I was in the right place at the right time, and, and had an opportunity to work with them, and I got to experience the World Series, which which is amazing. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of physical therapists out there with the ring, so it's it's you know it's kind of cool to. To say I've been through that, but um, you know, definitely fun. But you know, uh, um, it, the fun part I'm having now is all the systems we built with the Red Sox. We've built at our at our our gym and our clinic up here outside Boston. We're doing all the same stuff of, of I did with the Red Sox. We're doing it all with the local youth and high school and college kids and. Heck, I don't even know if they if they realize that, but they're getting <laughs> they're they're essentially getting the same model we built for the Red Sox from there, and you know it's it's uh, it's kind of funny. So as much as it's, uh, you know the Red Sox thing was awesome, I'd say now I'm, I'm more of a fan of, of baseball in general than one specific team. You know, and it, it's right. hard to always be a Sox fan, but it's uh, it's different now. You you appreciate appreciate you appreciate the game at a different level. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's get into our discussion here. We're, we're gonna. You've been on the end. You've seen high performing guys play well. You've seen high performing guys get injured. I'm always curious if you've seen a lot of guys that get to a point in their career where they get an injury. Maybe they're 22, 23, 24. Um, what do you think that, from your perspective, what do you think that person would say looking back to their ten year old self? Twelve-year-old self. When, I, I, when I, I, you know, I think it's a great question. I think it's changed. You know, so working at the upper levels of baseball, so working at the at the big league level, um, when you talk to those guys right now, you know, and especially about a decade ago, and you ask them, "Hey, what was your youth experience like? What did you do?" Um, they didn't do anything that the current wave of of kids are doing right now. Right? Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They weren't doing these crazy, you know, like showcases and tournaments and travel ball teams and all that stuff's fine, but it's it's more the sheer quantity of them, right? Like you ask these guys, like what do you do? Like oh, I was a I was a shortstop. I pitched a little, 
you know, but, you know, I was a shortstop, you know, that that type of thing. I was the best athlete on the team is what he's saying, right, you know, by saying I was a shortstop. Um, you know, they, they say that. They say, oh, no, I played multiple sports. You know, I did that. You know, that, that that's what they're kind of saying. What we're start, starting to see with, with all these trends, because injury rates are just going up and up and up, and we're getting better medically with them, but we still can't control them. We can't keep up with the pace, so to say. Right, so you know, the big thing we keep doing, we've tried scientifically to figure out why injuries occur, and we've done everything. Right, we blamed everything. We blamed the curveball. Uh, heck, in the '80s, we blamed the split finger. Right, I mean, we blamed the inverted W. We blamed, you know, like mechanical faults. These types of things. There's only one thing that over and over and over continues to correlate to the injury rate, and it's simply overeats. That's it. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting, and I think that's, you know, pretty good for your listeners here, is overuse doesn't just mean quantity. That's an interesting component. It's not just how many pitches, how many games, how many teams, how many showcases. Overuse is a combination, right, of quantity plus the forces of five, right? So the harder you throw, the more you're going to overload your tissues too. So overuse is quantity and force. You put that together. So now we have kids throwing way more, not taking breaks, and they're throwing harder, and we're just we're running into this this situation. So to answer your question, all the injured guys I see wish they didn't try to push past their limits. They 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 all I think would admit that they got greedy with their training to try to get just that one more mile per hour, that two more mile per hour. I think they all feel they got a little greedy and they wish they didn't try to push past their limits. So I think that's, to me, that's the, the such a, an interesting thing is that this combination of quantity versus force. And would it be like, you know, if I go into the weight room and I do, you know, I want to do 300 curls of 20 pounds or 10 pounds, or I want to try and do one curl of 150 pounds. It's kind of like, yeah, I mean, you, you got it. And that's, that's why Tim Wakefield, just as an example, I think all the dads know who Wakefield is, right? Um, yep. He can throw forever because he's throwing 75 miles an hour, right? So he bounced back fast. He could go in the pen and release if they needed him in the playoffs, right? I mean, there was difference, you know, b- between that. He bounced back fast. Um, and then, you know, with the velocity of those higher throwing guys, you have to, you have to, you know, be a little bit more careful. So, yeah, there's definitely, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, there's definitely a difference between that. You know, and, and with the youth right now, what we're seeing is, you know, the majority of kids that get hurt just kind of overdo it, but they're also, they're also, they, they throw too hard for their frames or their size or their physical maturity. So it's really easy to overload because, you know, they're, they're good. You know, so you have to put that equation together, right? Like, we try to do things like pitch count rules and, and things with USA Baseball and Little League Baseball to try to help them with overuse, but you can't control everything, right? So if your son throws super hard and he's the hardest thrower on the team, then I think it's in his best interest for you to be a little bit more careful with him, right? Yeah. But t- talk about that one part more about uh, about – pushing past their limits because I think that's it's kind of uh, I get a lot of emails from parents that say I got a kid who all he wants to do is train baseball and he's eight years old nine years old ten years old and I can't stop him he wants to train and throw harder and and my response to that is 
but you're, that's your job as a dad. You know, if, if, if we let them pick what they wanted for dinner, you know, they'd eat pizza and M&M's. <laughs> right, every, right. You, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that our job? Talk, talk about that, because I think that's something that's really not talked about so much, is that, you, you know, with everything that's out there today, you can kind of push it to some dangerous limits, right? I mean, you, it's the, the ability to do it's out there. Absolutely. And, and you got to think of, of everything here. This is, this is pertaining to your body, right? So, you know, to me, you got to think of it, you know, and this is a little bit harsher of a comparison, but you got to think of, of baseball training like medicine, right? And you have to find the, the correct dose, or you have to find what's appropriate. Because believe it or not, if you don't throw enough, you actually won't become as good. And if you throw too much, you'll break. So you have to find, you know, that happy medium. What I mean by that, super interesting, the way that you throw effectively as a pitcher, the way that you get velocity is by gaining layback, right? By being able to externally rotate your shoulder. That's what we call it medically. But layback, when you get all the way back in that fully cocked position, right? The more layback you have, the more velocity you have, right? So to do that, it's super interesting. You know, for the dads out there right now that play baseball, you can kind of like, you know, test this on yourself. But you notice on your throwing arm, you have way more layback than your non-throwing arm, Right? So the interesting part, though, is that you have less motion going forward than you do on the other side. So in a really, you know, weird way, what happens is when kids are growing and their growth plates are open, the bone, like your arm bone, actually torques. And think of it like wringing out a towel, like a, a towel that's full of water, and you twist the towel. That's what happens to the bone, and it develops that way. So what happens is the bone changes. So bones are very cool structure in the body, right? When you apply load to it or you apply force to it, it says, oh, boy, I, I guess I'll grow more bone here because I think you need more bone here, <laughs> right? So it adapts to the stress applied. So a big one with kids like jumping and playing basketball and stuff like that is they get that big kind of bump on the front of their knee because their, you know, their quad muscles pulling on that. You know, but with baseball, it happens when your arm torques back. So it's kind of funny. You have to throw. So back in the day, um, this doesn't really exist anymore, but remember the whole concept of throwing like a girl? Well, throwing like a girl exists because girls 30 years ago didn't play as much sports as they do now, so they didn't throw when their growth plates were open, so they didn't torque their bone back. So girls didn't have laybacks, you know, so they kind of pushed the ball like throwing a dart, right? So that's kind of what happened. So it's funny. We study this. We, you know, we've done a bunch of research on this. And found this to be, you know, a definitive thing in baseball. So I've got the best velocity program for you, Paul. You ready? It's not. It's right. probably not going to sell anything. It's probably isn't going to make up <laughs> much, right? You got to play a lot of easy catch when your growth plates are open. <laughs> like that. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's it. You you got to play catch in your yard with your dad. You know, like throughout the winter, if you're playing basketball or hockey or something like that, you got to play a little catch, but you don't want to overdo it. Right, because if you overdo it, then you can get a stress reaction or even fracture the growth plate. So, you know, to your point of pushing past those physiological limits, you have to find, you know, that dose. You know, so you can't do too much, you can't do too little. When you get that arm pain, that's because you're stressing your growth plates too much. Well, that's a great next question: is how do we know? What are the signals that a dad can be looking for, and and how do they get those out of their kid? Because all of us have had the experience of going out to the mound and asking the kid, are you okay? You know, and, and so you don't get an honest answer. So so what are the signals that, that, we're, that a dad's looking for that it's too much? And how do we, you know, get those answers from our, our kids? 
Well, there's, there's a big difference between muscle pain and, like, bone or ligament pain. Um, and when you're a kid, like, you haven't really gone through that yet, so you have to kind of figure that out too, right? Um, you know, muscle pain, I think we've all had. Like, you run a lot, you know, your hamstring's a little sore, you work out, and your muscle's a little sore. You know, that tends to happen when you throw, like, in your, you know, your forearm muscles, maybe your biceps a little bit, or the back of your shoulder. Um, that's kind of that muscle soreness type thing. I think once you, once you feel that, you get that. Bone pain, which is from your growth plates, it's a lot different. It's usually more vague, but it's more uncomfortable, right? So it's, they can't really touch it, you know? So, with, you know, if, you're, if your biceps is sore, you can kind of rub it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the spot that feels good. Um, but when it's like a growth plate, like, they usually point to the outside of their arm and say, like, ah, it just kind of hurts in here when I throw. It doesn't hurt doing anything else just when I throw, and it's kind of deep in there. I can't put my finger on it. That's when you better go get checked out and, and, and do that. And, you know, that's one one of the things we do at our clinic is we have, you know, so many baseball players we work with. We tell the kids if they experience stuff like that, come in and see us. I, I, we can just talk for five minutes, and I can tell you if you should throw through it or not throw through it. You know, so we kind of create a relationship with our people that, you know, they, they know that. Um, and it's just a quick, easy, nah, don't worry about it, get back out there, kid. Right? Versus, you know, the, oh, okay, we better shut you down for, you know, for a couple of days and see if this gets better. Right. And, and you know, what, what, for those who are listening, what Mike just described here is, to me, I think that the relationship that has to happen between coach and physical therapist trainer, um, cause a lot of times when there's a little bit of pain, we like to go to the pitching coach. Right, we like to go right. to the, you know, and I call him the architect, right? The guy who makes the plans and the way it should look. And I'm going to tell you that if somebody came to me with that, I, the the the, uh, the proper thing to do, the the um, the thing to do with integrity is to send them out before you touch them. S- send them to somebody like Mike or a qualified person in your area that can, because I don't know any pitching coach in the world that can do, can tell me the difference between what's okay pain and what's not okay pain. Now, they can maybe repeat something that somebody else has said, right? But that's, isn't, that, that, isn't that where we get into a little trouble? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if, if I was a coach, I would never want to get into that jam. That's not, you know, that, right. it's, that's only going to backfire for you. And, and if I was the parent, I obviously want what's, what's best for my kids. So you you got to find a good relationship, you know, and that's kind of, you know, that's both for injury prevention, but that's also for performance enhancement. You know, just like your pillars, I always kind of, you know, I talk about the same thing. You said to optimize performance, and maybe we'll just use velocity as as just one because it's just the easy one. But but any performance, you really you have to enhance those four buckets in your four pillars. It's strength and conditioning. It's a good arm care program. It's good mechanics and throwing programs. But it's also age and maturity, kind of tying in this, this yeah. development that we just talked about. You know, so it's you know it's it, it's super interesting. So you, you almost have to create this team. You know, and that's what we do. Like, at, at, at my place up in Boston, uh, Champion, we call it, um, like, we, we literally have PT, we have strength and conditioning, we have pitching coaches and hitting coaches. We have it all in one facility, you know, so we can we can kind of work in this team environment. That's what the pros get. So, I mean, we should we should do that on, on our end, too. You know, so, you know, when you put it together, it's pretty good. But um, I got an interesting stat for you. I'll change, I'll, I'll change subject briefly here, but it's kind of related. Sure. 
I get, I get an interesting stat for you. If you're a kid and I said I can increase your pitching velocity by eight miles an hour in the next two years, would that be would that be pretty cool? Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's not groundbreaking, but that's that's pretty good, right? So the yeah. two things that correlate to pitching velocity more than anything else is height and age. <laughs> that's it. So in two years, I just need you to grow a good three to five inches, and you're going to go up eight miles an hour. And if I'm your coach at the time, I'm going to take all the credit. <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, but but all you did was get two years older and 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 grew, you know, three to five inches. You know, so, so there's something to, something to kind of think about when you when you put those buckets because that goes back to us pushing past their physiological limits, right? So a major league baseball player, you know, somebody that's made it to the professional rounds, if you ask them how they got it there, and if you look at them in terms of their routines, what do they do? They maximize their four buckets, right? So bucket one is age and maturity, right? So, of course, if you're 12 years old, you are not going to have optimal velocity. You have more in the tank. We know that, right? We'll get back to that point, but age and maturity is number one. Number two is strength and conditioning, which most kids don't don't have. You know, the movement skills that our kids have now are amazingly poor, right? Kids can't even touch their toes anymore. It's amazing. You know, so they don't have a good base of movement or strength and conditioning. And then arm care is the third bucket, and that's having a nice bulletproof, you know, rotator cuff strength, scap strength, those types of things, which most kids have never even heard of, okay? So you have strength and conditioning, they've never done it. There's arm care that they've never even heard of. And then the last one is throwing. So, you know, mechanics plus throwing programs. So what's happening right now? A 14-year-old kid, a 15-year-old kid, a 16-year-old kid, they don't have maximum age of maturity yet. They've never worked out. They don't even understand what an arm care program is. Yet they're buying this velocity program off the Internet that's having them do a crazy throwing program. You know, so they haven't, so we say they haven't baked their cake. They're just, they're just trying to put the frosting on already without baking the cake. They haven't built that foundation. You know, so that's I, the I best think that's analogy what, I've ever heard. Say, say that one more time. That's the best <laughs> analogy. I love that. All the kids now they're focusing on their frosting, right? They just they want to they want to do a long toss program or a weighted ball program. All those things are fine if it's appropriate for you at the right time. But that's the frosting, the cake. You got to bake your cake first. That's age and maturity, a strength and conditioning program, and a bulletproof arm care program. You put those three together, then you can work on long toss, weighted balls, those types of things. You know, depending on the scenario. And that's how these kids are overloaded. That's how these kids are doing too much. You know, but I get it. Like, Instagram, like, those those, those videos are cool, right? Like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to yeah. do a crazy run and throw into a net, right? Like, like, like th- that's what's cool right now. So it's, it's, they're not being educated, right? Like, the, the Internet is full of marketers that are, that are just, like, telling you how awesome their program is, but it's, it's completely bot. Right, so yeah. you know we 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 gotta we gotta you know keep learning. So so here's an analogy I often talk about with with these programs that I think will set things straight pretty well here. So remember back in the day, so you used to go see your pitching coach in the winter and you throw like two or three bullpens a week because the pitching coach didn't know what else to do with you, right? So they right. <laughs> like, like just uh, all right, let's just throw off the mound all winter. We've educated yeah. the masses that overuse is the number one thing. Right, we've published so many studies on this. We've shown that overuse is it. So we're not. We're now saying you've got to take at least four months off from pitching. 
So we're not doing that anymore. But what's happened now is the pitching coaches are replacing that with velocity programs that are long toss and weighted ball based usually, right? So when you get to deep, deep long toss or you start throwing weighted balls, the forces on your arm actually start to exceed those from when you're pitching off the mound. It's more stressful for you. So your body doesn't care if you're throwing off the mound or, or flat ground or long toss or if you're throwing a rock or a water balloon. It doesn't care what the heck you're doing. It just knows stress, right? So these programs are being shown to be at least as stressful, probably more stressful than throwing. And that, that's okay in and of itself, but you can't now do that all winter. You can't do that three days a week, four days a week, all winter, because that's when you start overloading. Right. Uh, here's something we've always preached, and we get a lot of weighted balls, and we get a lot of, you know, the different types of things with heavier balls and stuff like that. What we've always recommended is, like you just said, it's all great in this time and place. Right. Tell, me, tell me what happens when you take somebody with a, a poor base of strength, poor mechanics, maybe they're not fully mature, and you throw a weighted ball program on them. So we are actually, this is good timing, we actually just finished up literally last week. Um, we've, we've done a, we're in the middle of a two-phase study on weighted ball training. We teamed up with Dr. Andrews and Dr. Fleissig of ASMI and Modus Global, who makes that elbow sleeve that measures the stress on mm-hmm. your elbow. It's pretty neat. Yep. Um, we've teamed up to them to do these studies, and we looked at the effects of a six-week weighted ball program on both the safety and how effective they were. So the results are now preliminary. We'll get there. I can share a little bit of it, but, if we're, you know, we're still in the process of it. Um, but essentially what we showed over a six-week weighted ball program, and we did this in high school-age youth, by the way, and I would say not like elite-level youth. Like, these weren't all D1 commits. This is, this is the real crowd of the people that are buying these programs, right? Right. So, we looked at them for over six weeks, 85% of them increased their velocity, okay? So we know that weighted ball programs work, right? Like, we know that. The question is, mm-hmm. at what cost? And that's really the thing here. So we know they work, but at what cost? So what we found was arm speed did not increase. Arm strength did not increase, mm-hmm. right? Wow. These are the things that we think weighted balls do. They don't. They don't do those things. We found wow. one thing, and it goes back to our earlier conversation that layback increased. So the amount of external rotation of their shoulder increased by 5 to 10 degrees over the course of six weeks. That, by the way, is absurd. That's not natural. That's not a good thing. Right? right? So we actually found... And, and that's just the function function. of the weight of the ball, right? That's just that's the weight of the exactly. ball. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just forcing, kind of forcing that. That's exactly right. So, you know, that's why, you know, back in the day, like, you know, Tom House recommended throwing with the football. Um, that's great. That's probably part of why football works a little bit is it helps you get a little layback. But, again, we've gone from playing catch with the football real easy to doing an aggressive 12-week crazy program with heavy weights and all these sorts of things. I mean, we're overdosing is what it is. There's, 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 there's too much kind of going on. You know, so we found that. But the, the negative thing is we have a lot of injuries. So, you know, we've already had, give or take, we're at about 20% injury rate with these kids that we're seeing, and it correlates to the amount of layback that they gain. So, honestly, this is, it, these programs are pretty aggressive, and you're, you're gaining velocity, but, you know, the question is, are we pushing past your physiological limit? Because the injuries I'm seeing are amazing. 
and like things I've never seen in my career, like pack tears in high school kids, lat tears. Like I don't even know how you tear your pack. That doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> but you do it on these programs, you know. So you know we got to be careful. There's to me, there's a definitive person that that should use weighted balls and a definitive person that shouldn't. Right. So shouldn't is the skeletally immature person, you know. So the best thing they can do again is a lot of easy catch. You know, that's that's how they should be doing it. Uh, the person that definitely should is, you know, maybe that 26-year-old, six-year free agent that, you know, may be out of baseball if they don't, you know, get their velocity up a couple miles an hour. For them, it's worth the risk, you know. But if, if you're developing, I'm, I'm not sure that's that's the way you want to do it. You know, for us at our center at Champion, like what we do is, you know, we have an assessment process. And you have to you have to pass certain criteria to to be able to do these more aggressive programs. You have to earn the right, or you have mm. to bake your cake, right? Once your cake's baked, then right. I'll help you frost it. But we, we can't jump straight to the frost, just because you love that analogy so much. I do. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's gonna be. I do a quote at the bottom of all my emails, and that's gonna be. You're gonna. You're gonna be the quote um, next week. Um, so, I can't, so I can't wait. Um, um, the, the thing I want you guys to pick up there that I took from that is a skeletally mature. That those were your words, right, Mike? Yeah. Um, pitcher that when it's right, the right when all the timing is right. And I just want to echo this. I'm not qualified. I, I consider myself to be a pretty a uh, pretty good pitching coach in the grand scheme of things. I'm not qualified to make that judgment. And neither is your pitching coach, for the listeners. Neither is your pitching coach. Regardless of how nice a guy he is, regardless of how many followers on Instagram, regardless of how nice his facility is, and regardless of how many first-round draft picks in D1 and, and how many tournaments they run one last year, he's not qualified to do what Mike just told you is necessary to, to, to determine the right timing for these programs. This is why I love when I hear that champion uh, physical therapy has hitting coaches and pitching coaches and batting cage and all this kind of stuff because that's that's the, that's the marriage. That's what I've been trying to push for so long. Now, don't take this the wrong way, Mike, but how many people stop you on the street and say, whoa, you're the physical therapist from the Red Sox championship team. I, I know you anyway. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't You must it. get that all the time, right? You can't even <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm definitely, um, uh, I'm definitely not a very uh, uh, large stature, we'll say. So, um, I, some people do recognize me as that kid that used to run out onto the field um, during the game. Uh, but, uh, but I would say no. Unfortunately, that uh, that doesn't happen. This, this stuff isn't popular, right? This stuff. This, this well, what would happen if Terry Francona walked down Yawkey Way? What, what, what would yeah. happen? Yeah, the people would be would be all over him. I don't think he could do that. <laughs> yeah, and here, so here's the coaches that are listening. Here's the thing. You know who knows. Now, everyone's going to recognize Francona. He gets all the credit, right? But you know who knows the guys who really get it done? Francona knows that the guys were performed on the field because of the guy, and their coaches were able to instruct and teach because of the job that guys like Mike did do behind the scenes. And so the coach, I, I often – hear this from coaches who kind of tell me, admit to me, it's like, I don't want to send them somewhere else and, and they'll get all the credit for it. Unfortunately, oh, wow. it's not the way it works in baseball, right? Uh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's terrible. If you're a coach and you're worried about credit, then you're, you're in this business for the wrong reason. Right, right, right. You don't know who trains with me. You don't know who works with me. That's kind of like 
that's kind of by design, right? Like I'm not a I'm not a yeah. big fan of bragging about that. You'll never know who I'm working with, you know, because that's not that's not it's not how that's not the most important thing, you know. So yeah, that's a if that if that's your goal as a coach is to get credit or you know or to be the one that's developing people, you know, is it, it, that you're just you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah, I think they're worried they're going to lose their clients. You know that they're, you know, and and, and I always preach. If you're not, you're not going to lose them. They're going to, you're going to be the guy who found, who referred them to the guy who made it possible for the instruction that you want to teach to actually be able to take place. Right. And you know, like you're, you're going to be the hero when you when you do that and you send out and you do that. That actually strengthens your your bond with your player because they they know you got their back. They know you're. Hey, I got a connection with this guy. He's he's going to take care of you. Um, it only strengthens your relationship. Yeah. So, so in kind of bringing this uh, onto the runway, what are some of the things? Just to kind of highlight, and I think you guys that are listening here, you see how I think you see both sides, of Mike. Right? You see the, the stuff that I love. You see that like that he can he's really just on another level, but he can bring it right down for all of us to understand, um, which is is not common. So. Um, uh, well, before before we kind of go into the last moments, Mike has a, a few uh, websites. So you can go to MikeLionel.com, um, or you can go to a new kind of mission he's on called EliteBaseballPerformance.com, which is loaded with articles. They're going to put up new articles. It, it seems like every day, every week. Um, I, I'm certainly helping to contribute, and a lot of the coaches in our universe, we've, we've pushed there to contribute. Um so check out EliteBaseballPerformance.com if you want to go into all this stuff in detail or, or contact Mike. Is there a place where they can contact you if they want to come to Boston and work with you, Mike? Yeah, yeah, at, at my my website, which is my name, just MikeReynolds.com. Um, you know, they have my contact, and, and there's, like, a link to our, our, our training center that we have there. It's called Champion PT and Performance. It's just outside Boston. Um, you know, we can do that, but, you know, I, I definitely – you know, part of my goal, part of my mission now, and I think this is where Paul and I really, really connect here, is, you know, I'm sick of all the bad information that's on the Internet that's misleading and, and these, you know, these kids are, they're just getting poor information. It's not helpful for them. You know, so we started this with this website, EliteBaseballPerformance.com, to try to have this, like, a source of trustworthy information. So we're going to help you prevent injury. We're going to help you enhance your performance. Yeah. We're going to help you increase your skill. But you're going to know that it's rock solid, as trustworthy and as scientifically based as possible right now. Um, it's not garbage. It's not marketing. Like you're, you're going you're gonna to know this is a place. So we want everybody to go there. We've got great plans over the next few years to kind of like build this out. I got a great bunch of people on the advisory board from, you know, again, Dr. Andrews to, you know, Josh Beckett, you know, get like a, you know, you know, freaking, you know, World Series MVP, like, on our advisory board. I mean, we got so many people that want to help out, you know, with these kids that, that you know, I think it's going to be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, I love the site, and it's uh, super informative. So, like, you guys, just for guys that are kind of in our baseball universe, um, these are the guys that we're, you know, we're, we're looking to these guys to, to either coach us up on what we need to know that we don't know is just baseball coaches, or, we're, or they're validating some beliefs that we had or giving us the right words and the right instruction on the hunches that we have, you know. And and also, too, there's lots of times I've listened to Mike's stuff and just said, wow, I was completely wrong 
about this and a new way of looking at things. So uh, check that out, EliteBaseballPerformance.com. And if you, if you do want to go into the Boston area, I, you know, be, it's just great for everyone listening. So let's kind of put this on the runway. What do we really need, you know, to sum all these things up? We got dads listening, age six, seven to seventeen, maybe above. What are, what are the few things that you would, if you could crack open their brains and put some thoughts in there and seal it back up? What, thought, what thoughts would you put in there? Well, you know, it goes back down to you know putting yourself in the best best position to succeed, and that's by baking that cake. So remember those four four pillars or those four buckets that we talk about here. That you're going to enhance your performance with a solid strength and conditioning program, with a great arm care program with good mechanics and a, a scientifically-based growing program, but also as you age and grow. So you got to really maximize those buckets. So for the dads, you know, all the work that you're putting into your, your financial portfolio, you should, you know, think of this as like your your son's or your daughter's uh, performance enhancement portfolio, right? You want to make sure that you're you know, well-diversified into each of these buckets, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So that's awesome. So, Mike, thank you so much for being on. Again, guys, check out MikeRinald.com if you do want to um, go work with Mike. I know you probably have people coming in from all over the country to work with you as, as, as in addition to people that are just on the East Coast. And then check out EliteBaseballPerformance.com. So these are kind of the guys that said that we look to, um, to to really make sure that what we bring to you guys is is accurate and right and that we're always on the right track. So uh, MikeRinald.com and EliteBaseballPerformance.com, check them both out. Mike, any final words of wisdom? No, just thanks, Paul. Thanks for the opportunity here. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's the fact that you get such a great a great group of people that are interested in doing it the right way is pretty awesome. So thanks for having me, and thanks for all you do and, and all the hard work you're doing with this podcast and your websites. Uh, you know, we need more of this out there. So thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Rudd Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in, and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So, again, thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads, and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So, again, it's BaseballDadsBook.com. Thanks.